Welcome to You Talking with Greg. Uh, it's really honor and pleasure. Uh, I'm here with Michael Bowens, um, who, and we don't have a long history of knowing each other, but I've actually been familiar with the Peer-to-Peer -Peer Foundation, the founder uh, of the Peer-to-Peer -Peer Foundation, and a real innovator uh, in the peer-to-peer -peer space, an internet leader, an activist, a philosopher, author, um, and uh, somebody who I think has a brilliant vision uh, for what the co wisdom commons might be. Uh, so I look forward to really getting to hear your story. Welcome, Michael, to the program. Yeah, happy to talk to you, Greg. Uh, it's uh, early, very early here, but uh, I hope <laughs> my, my brain will, will uh, kick in anyways. <laughs> right, well, it's late here, so I might teeter out like the end of the conversation, right. but we'll see what happens. We are on the opposite sides of the planet, but thankfully to Zoom, yep. we're able to connect. Uh, you're in Thai, is that right? Thailand? Yes, I'm in Thailand, in the in the north of the country. It's called uh, a city called Chiang Mai. Wow, mm -hmm. which is a kind of a capital of digital nomads. Um, ah, really? Mm. So before COVID, we had twenty five thousand people on a Facebook group called uh, Chiang Mai Digital Nomads. Wow. Uh, huh. So lots of people are here working remotely. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, you know, like like the Mozilla Foundation used to have a dozen people here. Wow. And, you know, they earn pretty good money as developers uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, in California, but then by living here, mm. they spend only a quarter of what they would spend there. <laughs> and so that, you know, that kind of arbitrage attracts people. And it's, it's a very nice town, I must say. It's, it's uh, fascinating. It's, How long have you been it's, there? It's, How long have you been oh, there? I, I've been here for a long time. I moved mm. in uh, 2003. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I launched the P2P Foundation. Uh, formally around 2007 and then i you know i just started having more and more uh, invitations for talks right okay mm -hmm. so i ended up doing from five to seven months of touring wow um but then that suddenly stopped in <laughs> march uh, 2020 yeah uh-huh as um, lots of things did huh <laughs> yeah yeah so i've been home and and um you know i switched to a study regime while i'm here Okay. Um, I'm pretty, yeah. pretty, you know, pretty mobilized for uh, doing like a reading sabbatical. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I think folks um, who listen to this would be really just interested in hearing your story a bit, kind of like how you got pulled into this and then ultimately sort of leading up to sharing right. your peer-to-peer -peer vision and what the foundation is. And then once we get into that space, we'll start talking wisdom commons and you yeah. talk and wherever else it takes us in terms of uh, our shared interest in overlapping perspectives. So how about we start with that? Yeah, so, uh, so I'm, I'm gonna maybe summarize, you know, what what led up to the creation of P2P Foundation and, and a switch in, in my life okay. by two threads. And one is the mm -hmm. professional one and one is the more like, you know, life experience. Mm, gotcha. Uh, so let me, gotcha. let me start with the professional one, which I'll keep short, is I, I started, um, as a librarian and something called reference librarian in the U.S. tradition, okay. mm -hmm. which is the kind of librarian that is at your service, you know, like mm -hmm. you go to the yeah. library and they're there to really help you. Right, right. But I was right. working for the United States Information Agency, hmm. which is a branch of the U.S. State Department and used to have like a global uh, network of what they called American libraries. Hmm. And it's better than you would think because, you know, you could think it's just propaganda, but they had a remit to 
represents the wide variety of American culture as well. Mm, mm, so we had mm. everything from the nation, the new republic, progressive in these times, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all the way up to the Heritage Foundation and Brookings yeah. Institute. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a very, and it was a great job. And, mm. and so from that moment on, I became really a curator, mm. which is, uh, you know, selecting material for other people. Right, right, right. So there mm. was about U.S. social and political processes. And I, I started my career following Biden way, way back you yeah. know, in the first election in the, <laughs> okay. in the 80s. I can't remember what year that was. But anyway, that, huh. um, then I worked for British Petroleum, okay. where uh -huh. I was a strategic business information manager. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Huh. And that involved really working for the top layer of the um, agro business section of BP. Hmm. And that was amazing training because, you know, an executive would come and would ask me, can you prove to me that X is Y? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then another one would come and ask me, well, can you prove to me that X is not Y? Ah. Huh. Yeah. So that multi-perspectival work of that was really interesting and that yes. stayed with me so then i launched a magazine wave which is a which was mm -hmm. like a synthesis of the wired mm. and mondo 2000 i don't know if you're right. familiar with mondo 2000 was a wired yes know, mondo 2000 not as much <laughs> it, it was a way out uh you know california counterculture uh mm. thing okay mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. early transhumanism ah and okay gotcha stuff. yep mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and so anyway, so we launched that, uh, lasted a year and a half. Then I did two internet, uh, startups, mm. uh, one on intranets and extranets and one mm. on, uh, what we call tri tribal marketing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and that involved, you know, like a, a craft vision of, of communication between uh, our clients and virtual communities. So we would actually okay. negotiate very specifically with moderators and curators and say, okay, what is acceptable to you as a way to, um, and so that worked until 2001. Hmm. Okay. Uh, when there was an internet, the first internet crash, I don't know if you remember. Right. The dot-com bubble, you mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I was yeah, in the yeah. middle of it and, you know, ah. we lost like, 90% of our clients, uh, in a, in a heartbeat. Mm. Um, and mm. so that brings me, uh, to a job at us web CKS, which was a very fast growing web consultancy okay. under the leadership of Joe Firmage, mm. which I don't know if you know this and if you're familiar with Ken Wilber, I'm familiar with Joe Ken Firmage Wilber. is the man who funded the Integral huh. Institute. Really? Okay. No, I did not yeah. know that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yes. And he's also a man who believes in, uh, you know, reverse engineering of alien technology. Mm. Uh, I never went, I never got into it, but anyway, mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. his, one of his things. And he was rich enough to, mm. to be able to, to do this. Fun <laughs> that, explore those things. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Fascinating. And, uh, then my very last job was, um, strategic director um, or rather strategic knowledge director, uh, for the largest telecommunications company in Belgium. Huh. Okay. okay. So that's the formal part, maybe right. not so interesting, but 
Well, just, no, it's good to get the la- landscape and the time, and right. you know, you get you get pulled into the internet world and the various facets yeah, of exactly. that. That's good to know. That's good to know. Right. So then the other side is, um, so I started from a working class family. Uh, my you know, mother was barely literate, um, you know, what they call functional illiteracy. Okay. Um, hmm. And, you know, both my parents worked until they were 13. And then when I was a child, I grew up in very poor circumstances. We had leaking, you know, leaking roof and hmm. I got... Uh, asthmatic bronchitis when I was like 18 months old got mm. taken away from my parents mm. and um, you know had to go in the sanatoriums and I remember mm. you know what kind of traumatic things yeah. like having to eat my vomit and oh, being in a glass cage and having these very long uh, nails that nobody was cutting um oh. Yeah, that's pretty intense. And so, what, why do I tell you this? Because it's formative, right? It's of course. It's, I'm a clinical um, psychologist, so I tend to right. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, what happened was that <clears throat> I started my life with a, quite a traumatic uh, mindset, mm-hmm. and that turned me very early. I'm you know, I'm talking like really ten years old into an right. activist. Uh, modality you know I was Uh I was outraged by the injustice in the world Mm. and and you know why people were suffering including myself yeah um and so that that lasts a number of years so you know Mm. kind of uh I was a Trotskyist at the Mm. time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and after Mm. seven years of this I realized that my you know, I was going straight into a wall because my mm. personal issues were not attended to. Mm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of in a way outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And at some point I said, well, you know, this is not working. Right. Okay. And if I cannot change the world outside, then I have to mm. change it inside. <laughs> right. A lot of and people come I to went, that conclusion. <laughs> right. And then I found a Greg Henricus type, uh, <laughs> way way back (laughs) Uh, but it was interesting so i i'll I'll just go briefly over it so i started with with um you know a freudo marxist uh theory of the repression of the the libido and that but you work through the body and Mm. and Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know it's called character analysis and you look at mm-hmm. the structure of the body and and how mm. you have a like a muscular harness mm-hmm. that that you know keeps you from being in the flow of life mm. okay. uh, live in a commune you know they had mm-hmm. organ boxes and everything and wow. mm-hmm. uh, all of that mm. uh, also the you know the free relationships and and mm-hmm. so that was really, really interesting mm um as an experience you know when when you're a young man sure um and then i went to basically all the california stuff ah uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know i did yeah. rebirthing and primal scream and uh-huh. and uh, in t- uh postural integration uh-huh. um uh-huh. all of that and okay. that at some point then i started thinking oh there's more you know there's mm. more than just like your psyche there's something mm. uh so i went on a fairly intensive search spiritual search mm-hmm. uh which you know i did started with eastern stuff okay mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, Tibetan meditation, Sufi workshops, mm-hmm. uh, hmm. all kinds of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I was never a sannyasin, but I was pretty close to a, a, a Nosho community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also lived in a commune of that well, nature. Mm. I went to Rajneeshpuram. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Oregon. And yeah. I don't know if you've uh-huh. seen the movie uh, uh, Wild Wild Country, which is amazing. I was there, you know. Ah, uh, wow. Okay. I didn't see me in the picture, but I was there for a while. <laughs> wow. Um, but and, and at the same time, this was also, uh, you know, all everything went wrong there. Mm. Uh, and so that brought me mm. really into you know thinking about spiritual authoritarianism and mm. and and power and you know conformity mm. and and mm. Uh, you know mm. I had this tai chi teacher and she said tai chi is fantastic and then suddenly osho said no no it's a martial art it's bad and then suddenly it was bad you know so mm. how people could switch right you know not on their own accord but just by following somebody else that was mm. Uh, mm. something i experienced there and at some point i said okay i've done enough eastern stuff and i went into the western esoteric stuff the western so, es- esoteric did you say esoteric? yeah yeah, yeah okay, so gotcha. you know i've i've been a mason i've been a rosicrucian a <laughs> templar um i did a year of i'm alchemy. checking a lot of boxes here michael i don't know yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and and you have to you know i wasn't i wasn't not a tourist i was really very earnestly looking for you know the answer Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay, this I I'm going to tell you this because I, I it was very f- also formative for me. So at some point I, I met a neo-gnostic, neo-Cathar, okay. you know, the Cathar uh, mm-hmm. religion in in yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm following in, in France in the 11th mm-hmm. century. Um, and I encountered this kind of gnostic point of view where. Okay. You know, you have this idea that this world is totally lost, mm. right? So the only way out is to go to the other one, mm-hmm. the perfect still. Mm. Uh, but here you're in the yin yang, and if you make an effort to make something better, it will get worse somewhere else. Because mm. this is mm. there's no there's no salvation in this world. Okay. And paradoxically, that created the opposite reaction. Hmm. I suddenly kind of understood what it, what the fundamental choices that Western civilization had made. Hmm. You know, which was about incarnation hmm. and solidarity with everybody. Hmm. And hmm. being a Christian, meaning you have to make the world a better place, hmm. Hmm. right? And so, in a very strange way, that pushed me back hmm. into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And also because of all my experiences, you know, I had done so much work on myself that, mm-hmm. you know, I cannot pinpoint a magical moment. But I was different. I had my mm. act together. I felt, you know, like everybody else at yep. some point, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so then I decided now I have to do something with my life. You know, I have enough to. <laughs> Stop, stop, stop doing all that stuff. Mm. Right. And so I went into business. Okay. Right. Yes. And that then connects with my other life I explained before. Mm. Um, hmm. Maybe one more thing I should say yeah. in the late 90s, mm. I did a documentary called Technocalypse. 
ah, about okay. the metaphysics of religion huh. uh, and the end of man. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was a, an in-depth three-hour investigation of the unconscious religious motivations of transhumanism. Ah, okay. Right? I had this thesis mm -hmm. that I still have, and, and now it's I have a lot more that I know about it, but this idea that transcendence is baked in us, mm. Mm -hmm. Like we, we need this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that when we secularized, that didn't disappear, mm. but it became unconscious and mm -hmm. translates itself in these utopian dreams mm. about what technology can do for us. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, you know, the story is that it's not just a capitalist thing, you know, making ah. money. It's really mm -hmm. a gnostic project. Ah. Okay. And so... Um, hmm. There's even a, a professor, I think his name is Richard Thompson, who has this whole book and where he shows you have the 64 sadhanas of yoga mm -hmm. and how each of them is now represented by a technology, <laughs> you know, really? like bilocation. And, uh -huh. and, 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 and then, of course, at the end of the dream, and this is where transhumanism is interesting, is so you have the scientists and they each have their own dream. Mm -hmm. Right. And transhumanism takes all these dreams together mm -hmm. and then believes that it's all that it's all there already. Mm. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. and then builds a vision of humanity, which ends up in a space which is really like omniscience, mm. omnipresence, mm -hmm. you know, which is a material mm -hmm. manifestation mm -hmm. of our ideas about the divine. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But because it's unconscious right it makes it very dangerous definitely because they don't know what they're doing right <laughs> right and and it doesn't have all the checks <clears throat> and balances that an institutional religion would have mm. and we we can talk about this later but i believe that mm -hmm. after the breakdown of our belief in spirituality in the west mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that nearly every political movement is actually agnostic ah. attempt mm -hmm. right where to channel that mm -hmm. yeah what you're doing is basically uh, you no longer believe it can be done in this other way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what you do is you want to experience and do this in the material world mm -hmm. right and i don't know if you're interested in this but i'm, I'm reading eric vergelin he's a very interesting author um, and he has a book the end of modernity I, I'm not, okay. I'm not just, familiar with it, but I've been really interested. So I'll, in it. I'll so, give yeah, you the please. brief story. I'll give yep. you the brief story. So, you know, in a pagan polytheistic uh, environment, everything is sacred and okay. especially power. Mm. So the, you know, the, the emperor is mm -hmm. divine and, mm -hmm. and the politicians are also the leaders of the civic cults mm. you know, who, do the, who yep. lead the sacrifices. And mm -hmm. so you sacrifice and that makes you strong as a community and you can win the wars and, mm. and, and go conquer. Mm -hmm. but christianity does the opposite it empties out the sphere of the sacred hmm. it, it empties out the world of the sacred and it creates a double world where you have a temporal world which is not sacred mm -hmm. and then the church takes care of the transcendence part right, right? <clears throat> yep and that is what gnostics then don't accept is so starting in the 12th century you get the, the movement and there was a mystic called joachim de fiore Right. Uh, and 
So Augustine was still a dualist. You have this world and the other world, right? And you have the world of the Old Testament and the world of the New Testament, and mm. it ends. There's no future. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. But once you have this idea of the three ages, mm. that's the moment the West starts thinking that we can have progress mm. in our society, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you want to transfigure human humanity in this world, mm. right? Mm. And that's basically what ideology has done: Marxism, Stalinism, mm. yep. you know, mm-hmm. Nazism, mm. and maybe we can talk about this also at the end: wokeism. Yes, you know, no, these are <laughs> these are all gnostic, gnostic movements. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay, so that's that's kind of the story. Um, <laughs> so I ended up um more or less having my act together you know like okay. psychologically mm-hmm. and spiritually gotcha engaged engaged in the business world as a creative pursuit you know by being an entrepreneur and, and mm-hmm. but my last job i was starting to feel not okay again in the sense mm-hmm. that so i had abandoned my engagement of my youth Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. The the utopian ideas the utopian of changing ideas, the world, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in some way it was done emotionally through a rejection, mm. and therefore I I felt this kind of empty emptiness mm. of having abandoned my dreams. Mm. Right. Yeah, right. That, and that gets you in the heart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just carrying on with things and having a certain pleasure, but fundamentally feeling I was like, you know, not not on the right track somehow and the more i was you know going up in business the more i saw the corruption and the mm. you know the, the cheating with the accounting systems and and all that you know like the fictive fictitious value system mm. that we have hmm. and you know i could tell you anecdotes about that, that were like, <laughs> i bet you wow could. <laughs> you know like how does that work wow you know this is mm. like this is where like a piece of theater that we're in and and mm. And so anyway, so basically what, what happened was I had a huge burnout. Okay. And you know, my, my theory of a burnout is that you don't have burnouts because you work hard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You have burnouts because you work hard and your spirit is not in it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a burnout, right? Yep. You, so you're, you're increasingly at odds with what you're doing and that yep. drains your energy and, and, and so- at some point like... Yep, the you know it just the body pull heart pulls the plug on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so then I, I entered a really deep crisis. This was like ninety six, ninety seven. Okay. And I had a year where everything went wrong. My mm. father died. My mother got Alzheimer. Mm. I had a company. I you know there was a conflict around accounting uh, stuff. Uh, I had made this movie, but it, it didn't get, go out as planned mm-hmm. because there was a conflict between the director and the producer. Um, and and I had a big fight with uh, Ken Wilber. Oh. I, you know, I was I was a devotee of Ken Wilber. I had right. I have his collected works here in my uh-huh. library. Uh-huh. You know, eight uh-huh. volumes. Mm. Um, hmm. And I had a like a, a relationship issue. Everything at the same time. Man. And so I went completely, you know, at the bottom. And that's when I, I felt like what William James describes, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where you, he says there's two kinds of people. Mm-hmm. 
the ones born and you know they're lucky enough to have great parents mm. uh, live in a you know in a place that's that's friendly to their to their development and they mm -hmm. fit in the world mm. right right mm -hmm. and then you have others and they they're born and they say something is wrong here hmm. you know, it's this, a misfit this, <laughs> this cannot possibly be the way it's supposed to be right mm -hmm. and so you're at odds mm. right and those people will have a crisis at some point if they're lucky mm. and it's only then that they transform themselves and become mm. what he calls twice born people mm. right and mm. while it's a very hard path at the same mm -hmm. time once you've done it yeah it, because of your suffering mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you get this richness that that people mm. fit in immediately won't have hmm. right. right because yeah okay. no there's a whole depth anyway i yeah i i feel that this is what happened to me and okay. then you have this notion of central version from mm. eric von neumann he's a union mm -hmm. and he says you know the first part of your life you try to adapt to the world mm. And then there's a moment where that reversal is saying, no, 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 no. I want to be happy here. So I have to make the life that I want. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that happens usually around the midlife crisis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where, and I, I also feel that is exactly what happened to me. And mm -hmm. the way it expressed itself was, I feel you know, the world is not going the right direction in terms of uh, climate, ecology, mm -hmm. resources, mm -hmm. you know, we're, destroying mm -hmm. the ecological conditions yep. of human survival mm. uh, life incorporation is becoming very toxic very short term very mm -hmm. you know greed driven and around fake mm. uh, fake accounting systems and yep. and, <laughs> um, and then you know 95 was also the time of the zapatistas and the the first networked movements mm. you know the the assembly movement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also all of that basically prepared the way for me to say i have to get back to my engagement huh. okay mm. but what what do i do mm. that was the question because i had been a marxist but i had rejected it mm. Emotionally, mostly, I, I didn't okay. really go through like a whole critical evaluation. I mm -hmm. said, should I, you know, should I reread Marx? Mm. And then I discovered the book Empire from Tony Negri and mm -hmm. Michael Hart. Hmm. And I don't know, there was an epic scope to that book. Mm. And he had integrated all the postmodern authors, you know, Foucault and Deleuze. Yep. And so I felt, okay, he's done the work for me. Mm. <laughs> And so that book set me on a path of inquiry. Mm. Um, and I took a two-year sabbatical. Okay. So I studied mm. themes like cognitive capitalism, mm. network theories, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also crucially transitions. Mm. So I really took two years to read up on, well, how did the Roman Empire really end? Mm. How did we switch from a feudal system to... Hmm. the capitalist system right right mm -hmm. and i came up with the theory uh which is kind of a i would call it seed form theory which is the idea hmm. that social and political revolutions are only at the end of the process hmm. and they they explode because the system could not adapt in any other way 
right right to, right. to the new demands mm. but it can take many forms you know and, mm -hmm. and, and if you just take that period of the 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 establishment of a capitalist society mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have the prussians where it's the military mm. class that takes power it's yep. a tsar in russia who liberates the serbs mm. it's a it's a religious civil war in england mm. so the french mm. and the russian revolution are not the the norm they are actually yeah, quite outlier uh, processes mm. and so when you start looking at seed forms what you what you see is the following so at some point the existing structure of a society, the existing institution no longer function. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Their, their answer just don't, don't fit what yep. is needed. Right. And they, so they start disintegrating, they lose legitimacy. <clears throat> and what you then have is at the beginning is an exodus. Mm -hmm. So the people mm -hmm. who either are, you know, spiritual rebel, rebels, like they, yep. they just don't accept the right. mainstream mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. of seeing the world, mm -hmm. or people are forced to leave, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the farmers who were chased away in Scotland during the enclosures, mm -hmm. you know, their mm -hmm. land was taken away. Right. So this is a, uh, a process of exodus, and these people who no longer fit or don't want to fit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the old system are looking for new solutions. Mm -hmm. And so they will invent patterns, solutional patterns huh. mm -hmm. that are by definition different from the system that's no longer working. Sure. Right. Right. Of course. Mm -hmm. And so they're introducing the new. Mm. And first the patterns are separate, and then so the patterns find each other. Mm. Eventually they establish subsystems within mm. the mainstream system. Fast. And then only eventually, after a certain time, there is the qualitative jump. Right. Where the new system becomes a new meta system, right? So let me give you a few examples. If you look at the shift towards, you know, bourgeois capitalist society, you have yeah. okay. an ideological change which is purgatory. Mm. And mm. there's a book about it from Jacques Legault, a French historian, where so the the problem was after the 10th century, 11th century. Um, th there was actually a social revolution in Europe, and there's a very good book about it. It's called The First European Revolution, 975 1050. Mm -hmm. huh. And it's a revolt right. in France that starts in France with the monks of Cluny mm. become very strong, you know, like 70% mm -hmm. of the land is developed by, by monks wow. at that time, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And with the people, um, so what happened in Europe was you have the Yenna Roman Empire, 5th century, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the Roman institutions still perform until the 8th. Mm. That's when the Muslims destroy the control of the Mediterranean. And that's when commerce collapses, mm. the roads can no longer be maintained, mm -hmm. the cities empty out. Mm. And, the, and the attempts by the Germanic kings to unify fail, like Charlemagne. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in the 10th century, you get like a peer-to-peer -peer feudalism. Mm, you know, gotcha. all the barons, the local okay. barons build mm -hmm. their castle, fight each other, yep. rape the woman, mm. steal the gold from the churches. Peer-to-peer -peer feudalism. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nasty. That uh, sounds and, nasty, but it is a yeah. funny name. <laughs> and that, that creates a massive social movement, which is called the Peace of God movement, in which mm -hmm. the people in procession, you know, with mm -hmm. the Holy Mary, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and from start confronting the feudals mm. with their sins mm. 
hmm. and it ends with a new social compromise, which is one, make love, not war. Okay. So the fuel class promises to marry each other rather than fight all the time. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, primogeniture becomes general and primogeniture means the oldest son gets everything right and why is this interesting but it creates peace in the family mm. right the first creates peace between families and the second creates mm. peace within the family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to fight for it you get it yeah and then the other sons they can then become they can go to the church mm. Or they can mm. engage in conquests mm -hmm. like the Crusades, mm. Mm. right? So it creates yep. a surplus okay. in the elite. Yep. Okay. And then the farmers, mm. they get some advantages. So it's the beginning of the parishes and the organization of social life mm -hmm. and stability and, mm. and all of that. But at the same time, the first enclosures. So mm -hmm. we're slowly coming to my theme of predilection, which is the, you know, the, the, the role of the commons, mm -hmm. but they lose the right to hunt hmm. okay and this forces the farmers to 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 become more productive so there's a productive productivity revolution hmm. and so suddenly the cities come back hmm. and the cities need money okay. but the christians are not allowed to lend money so that hmm. you know the special role of the right, jewish right, people right, right. Yeah. but purgatory by creating non-mortal sins that can be bought back through indulgences right right huh. creates huh. a money system creates an accounting systems creates a new vision of the world hmm. and allows a new christian class it's fascinating and and it's the so it's the birth of the bourgeois huh. merchant okay. guilds uh -huh. in the new cities right huh. uh-huh and so that's the beginning of four centuries of development of the merchant class mm. in a distributed system with weak imperial power okay mm -hmm. that eventually takes power after four centuries and then we mm -hmm. get the renaissance and reformation right, right. And this is uh, all the eventually setup. the the yep. nation states mm. in uh you know in 1648 uh, i think with the westphalen the treaty of westphalia right mm. so but you look at these seed forms like Purgatory, double entry accounting, the printing mm -hmm. press, mm -hmm. how they create a subsystem in the cities. And that eventually creates a new class that will take power mm -hmm. and create a world at their image. Mm. And huh. so my, my big thematic is that this is what is happening now. Okay. You have mm -hmm. the capital system is in crisis because it yep. overuses, uh, the planetary boundaries it, mm. it it violates the planetary boundaries mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it mm. creates also a social crisis because it's you know it's a it creates more and more inequality so much equality yep. and mm -hmm. concentration mm -hmm. at the top mm -hmm. and so again we have the same phenomenon exodus yep right so for example one of the things that i studied was the precariat right mm. so the feudality is born because the people have to flee the cities to survive mm. at mm. the end of the Roman Empire. Okay. So that's an exodus, right? Yep. Sure. And then they find a place with the warlords that protect them, and that becomes feudalism, or they go in the monasteries mm. or around the monasteries, right? Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. so the exodus creates these new forms that become mm -hmm. the basis of the new society. And then yep. 
in bourgeois society, what you have is the, the farmers are chased away through the enclosures to mm -hmm. privatization of the common land. Mm -hmm. They end mm -hmm. up as workers in the cities. So again, you mm -hmm. have an exodus and mm -hmm. a class, a different and a, a new class dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And here, what is happening today is that the salariat mm -hmm. is imploding slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and these people becoming precariat, mm -hmm. you know, working on projects, no longer mm -hmm. having a fixed salary. Mm -hmm. And they can all survive by exiting to the networks. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's a bit different mm -hmm. in the sense that people are not fleeing physically, mm -hmm. but they're fleeing to a new social system. Yep. And in these networks, they engage in peer-to-peer -peer relationships because mm. anybody can, yep. can associate with anybody else and they create mm -hmm. like virtual communities, virtual territories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, right. They create all kinds of common projects and mm -hmm. commons, like they create common knowledge pools that they use yep. and the mm -hmm. Wikipedia and free software. Mm. And so my thesis is that this is the essential process of reconfiguration to a mm. post-capitalist society mm. that is common-centric. Huh. Now, okay. let me give you, I'll, I'll return to the, they give you another theory that I have, mm. which I call the pulsation of the commons. The what? Right. The pulsation. Pulsation. The, gotcha. uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the okay. polarity play. Yeah. Okay. So mm. what you have in human history is that once you have class societies, like, mm -hmm. you know, 5,000 BC, more or less, right? Okay. And the Mesopotamian cities and the, mm -hmm. the first Chinese uh, mm -hmm. kingdoms and stuff. So you have this social stratification around states and markets, mm. right? And unlike libertarians, I believe the state is primary because mm. the state creates the safety for the market. Mm -hmm. can't have markets okay. when everybody's fighting everybody yeah sure mm -hmm. um, and the state market in whatever form it takes is essentially an extractive mechanism mm. not mm. accidentally essentially right and so what the market state system does is grow mm. so in other words it's not even capitalism right it's it's mm -hmm. further it's more fun than that mm -hmm. even feudal tributary right imperial systems also engage in that mm. but of course they did it with limited technical means and limited mm -hmm. geography okay. so you you what you can recognize and this is documented by a book called secular cycles mm. from peter turchin for example okay. is you see the how every you know societal system overreaches mm. its regional planetary boundaries mm. And that creates a counter reaction, mm -hmm. which is a spiritual popular reform that reintroduces the commons as a human institution. Huh. So the market and the state exhaust, mm. but the commons as a human institution is designed to protect resources over the long term. Huh. Right? Mm -hmm. And so there's an economist, Eleanor Ostrom, Mm -hmm. yep. got a Nobel Prize in 2009 yes. because um, she yes. studied the commons over time. Yep. I know her. And, you know, fisheries and forest commons. Yep. And basically throughout history, until capitalism, people mm -hmm. had commons. Mm -hmm. And that commons counteracted the extractive tendencies mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. extractive <clears throat> superstructures. 
Yeah. And when that balance was broken, then mm. eventually the, the, there would be spiritual reform movements who would re, you know, reestablish the balance and heal the society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm. I see this polarity play, the cyclic polarity play. Yeah. And then you add in the progress of knowledge and technology, which mm -hmm. gives a sense of direction. Yep. You get a spiral development. Mm in which hmm. the commons always exist but are subsumed to the extractive systems. Right. Occasionally become center stage in, in mm -hmm. these dark ages, the healing mm -hmm. periods. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then become victim of their own success because they mm. create then a surplus that creates a yep. new condition hmm. for, new, for a new extractive uh, period. Mm. And this is very well documented in this book, Secular Cycles. It's about a 300-year cycle in agricultural society hmm. on average okay uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, huh. and what is the problem today is hmm. that we have reached the limit of that pulsation hmm. okay because under hmm. globalized capitalism we have overreached everything huh. right and if you look at the history of capitalism from the 1600 onwards it's always a play of finding new frontiers right so all the societies couldn't do that. They would just collapse mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you know, no more frontiers. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't reach out. Mm -hmm. So they would collapse and it, and it would start over. Mm. But under capitalism, what you, what you can do is, well, okay, you know, the Polish uh, countryside is depleted. Mm -hmm. So let's go to mm -hmm. Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Right. And then let's go to the West, you know, mm. to the Western United States frontier. Mm -hmm. And then let's go to Africa and let's go and until a moment, of course, where you've done that everywhere mm. and uh, you reach peak resources mm -hmm. and you reach, you know, ca uh, carbonization issues. Mm. And so that's where we're at. And so my, yep. this is then, you know, to finish that arc. Yep. So the idea is that because we are in planetary overreach, mm -hmm. we now need shift towards a common centric societal organization. Mm. right in yep. which the market and the state have to be reformed and transformed so that they can serve a new central institution which is no longer capital in the market mm -hmm. but actually the commons huh. and that this has to be taken place at a cosmo local level mm. and so cosmo local means basically that everything that is light should be ideally global and shared Mm -hmm. So knowledge, technology, yep. science, and everything that's heavy mm. should ideally be relocalized. Mm. And I talk about the subsidiarity of material production. Nice. Okay. So, so imagine a world that consists of distributed actually, factories. Let me just, can I just pause yeah. you for just a second? And I need to um, drink something. So yes, please. Take take it. Get... There's a... <laughs> uh, actually, way back, I, I did maybe we'll circle back and I'd be curious as to what you got in a fight with Ken Wilbur about. <laughs> so I had some curiosity there. The Cosmo local just, uh, framing that you just afforded um, and just the simplicity of that, <laughs> everything light versus everything heavy. 
um, just right. tickled me a little bit. <laughs> so I just wanted to double click on that and be like, All right. yeah, of course. <laughs> Everything that can flow through the informational structures, right? Uh, right. And afford that, uh, that's one division. I had heard the concept of rooted cosmopolitan, which is more on an identity structure um, that has a little bit yeah. of cosmolocal flavor to it. Um, and I'd heard Cosmoloco, but I was I actually heard it. I was like, I wonder what that is. And then the way you just uh, framed that was just brilliant. And so it tickled me. So I need to st just say that hey, that's, yeah. that's cool. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. So, um, so imagine this, you have, you know, a global network of distributed production sites. Mm -hmm. um, you know, think about maker spaces, co-working spaces, um, but I, I think they will be specialized. I don't think mm -hmm. you have this one universal technology. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. you know, they'll, they'll be specialized. Mm -hmm. um, but today, you know, you can make cars anywhere. Mm. Yeah, you can. And so there's already a company doing that. Unfortunately, it's a you know, proprietary uh, IP. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. uh, there's a company called Arrival. And, you know, they, they can make vans and buses anywhere in the world. Wow. Mm. You know. And in the US, you have local motors, you have open motors. So the the you have a global IP, which I think should be public. That's mm -hmm. you know debatable, mm -hmm. but that's mm -hmm. what, what what I believe. Mm -hmm. And then you have a local instantiation, mm. right? Yeah. And you can have like biodegradable, mm. you know, materials. And mm -hmm. so the car is made so that it's modular. Mm -hmm. You can replace mm -hmm. any any part of it anytime by by mm. by building it locally. Mm. Um, it's only mm. produced when it's needed, mm. right? So there's no overproduction, mm. and merely the fact of not having global transportation already saves us two thirds of the human footprint. Mm. So we mm -hmm. spend, I think it's three times as much on transporting things now than on producing them. So, if you, know, you know, if you take a thermodynamic matter energy right. accounting yeah. of, so we use actually three fourths hmm. of matter energy, so not in making things, but actually move them around. Well, that's uh, and then what commoning also means is mutualization, right? So uh, I think it's John Monbiot who talks about what's his formula. It's a really good one. He says, private sufficiency and public luxury. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's take cars. Okay. So you could have public transport mm -hmm. and that's very good. But the problem with public transport, is not point to point. So you mm -hmm. lose functionality, mm -hmm. but you could have like you have in Ghent, Belgium, uh, co-ops like Degage and Partago, two names that I remember from there. Okay. And you know, you could have in a neighborhood and let's say you have hundred cars and we know mm -hmm. that cars are only used 5% mm. of the time on average. Right. So instead of 5%, you take 10%. You so you have a double buffer mm -hmm. and you say, let's have 10 cars mm. for these hundred families. Right. And we can guarantee that is always a car available, mm. always. And you have a you know an electronic system. You can reserve the car when you need it. Totally. And that means you have all the freedom of travel, hmm. but you only need ten percent of the cars that you're using. Right. So that's a ninety percent drop. Mm. Nice. In in cost, in thermodynamic mm. cost. 
Right. But then also in financial cost, mm. right? So it's also yep. very social. It's mm -hmm. in socially inclusive. Mm. And it's run by the neighborhood itself. So it's mm. also a democratic institution, mm. right? Mm. So there is a movement in the world now, it's called factor 20 reduction. And they claim, and they've, they've done calculations, experiments, for example, with commercial transport, mm -hmm. that you can have the same amount of transport, would you wish so? Yep. And only use 5% of the energy by combination of cargo bikes and electric vans. Hmm. And imagine they can be also made locally. So you, so basically what I'm, what I'm thinking about is that, is that, you know, we're, we're heading straight into the wall mm. and we have a very likely choice of going in a full dark age, mm. but you know, that means billions of people die mm -hmm. and the cities get emptied out again. And, mm. you know, or you can say, why don't, why don't we try to do this in a smoother way this time <laughs> because of our technical knowledge i'll vote for that <laughs> right and start really systematically transforming our productive mm. tissue in this cosmolocal way right hmm. right and then we can preserve a lot more of all the achievements of modernity you know the mm -hmm. longer lifespan mm -hmm. the public health the, mm. the you know the democratization of culture right um and hmm. use so much less of the, yep. uh, you know, thermodynamic, um, mm -hmm. because the, the, there's another, what's his name, Peter Pogani. And, you know, he's very clear. He says, our world, we get energy from this, from the cosmos. We don't get matter. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that means that matter is subject to decay. Mm. Like by reusing matter, it decays over time. The quality mm -hmm. of the matter decays. Mm -hmm. So we cannot escape that the world is actually fin finite. Mm. So yeah, energy, yes, gets solar, but in terms of like, you know, raw materials, no, it's not infinite. And so we have to, and we have to achieve a balance at the world scale. Mm -hmm. And then I talk and propose things like global magisteria of the commons. Mm. Right. Hmm. So what is happening today with the networks is the following. So we have a geographic we had, organization of the world. FYI, we had uh, Robert Ryan on uh, a week ago. Yep, I know. Yeah, and so I we just talked about magistrate and that kind of thing. So just FYI, right. some of that backdrop there. Right. So same idea. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you have today is you have local geographic organization of the world. Mm -hmm. You have transnational capital. Mm. and an international state system. Mm -hmm. But humanity is now moving to a virtual forms of organization, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So now we have a dual system and kind of in, in, in my strategic thinking, what I'm saying is um, what we need to build politically is a translocal, transnational civic force. Hmm. Okay. That is common centric and can balance mm. the power of the international state system and the transnational capital system. Mm. So those two extractive agents mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have to be compensated by mm. a trans local, transnational civic movement. Interesting. Right? 
and the role of the nation state changes from trying to attract financial capital, mm -hmm. which is the game and the neoliberalism, right? That there's mm -hmm. um, Ulrich Beck, a German sociologist talking about the risk society said there's only one thing worse than being exploited by multinationals. Hmm. And that is not being exploited by <laughs> multinationals. You know, and it's true. Yeah. Like there's, uh, you know, then you stay poor and nothing comes in and, and right, right. Um, and so in this new configuration, the role of a nation state, which I don't think will disappear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where I'm not entirely on board with, you know, cosmopolitan mm. ideas, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I do believe that the nation is a historically rooted community form. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that we don't have anything to replace it yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day, but not today. Yeah, no, definitely. But it can it can shift towards this idea of a partner state. Mm. And the partner state form is a state that supports social and personal autonomy mm -hmm. by creating the conditions for local commons to mm -hmm. emerge and to attract the global knowledge flows. Hmm. Right. So you what you get is a regional form of development where your job is to connect with global flows mm. and converge mm. the interests of your locality with the virtual expertise that exists right in the right. whole world. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Hmm. Um and okay, let me give you an example of, you know, of Japan. So okay. there's a very good book about this. It's Mark Whitaker, and it's called Ecological Revolutions and the Eggshell Religions. And, and he, hmm. you know, documents what I was saying in the beginning about this pulsation mechanism. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in 16th century Japan, hmm. you have a 100-year civil war. Hmm. Okay. And... It's won by the shogun, mm -hmm. and that will set in what is called the shogunate that will last until like 1863, the Meiji mm -hmm. Restoration. Mm -hmm. So in this period, so after the shogun wins the, you know, the warlord uh, competition, he disarms the people, mm -hmm. and he takes over the commons of the Pure Land Buddhism Buddhist Church. So okay. the so one third of, um, I might be wrong about, you know, the mm -hmm. figures, but anyway, so let's say mm -hmm. one third of the land was controlled, not by the state, but by local communities, local religious communities mm -hmm. who had their commons, mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the rules like with Ostrom, it's, it all fits the, the picture. Mm. And he takes over that land, destroys mm -hmm. the church, but mm -hmm. makes it into an imperial land and actually mm. protects the land. Mm. So what you have in Japan is this uh, so social structure where you have the samurai on top, okay. the farmers under, mm. because they create the wealth, mm. the crafts under the farmers because mm. they transform the things, mm -hmm. and, the, and the commerce at the bottom because they only trade it. Mm. You know, mm. and uh, he forces the samurai families to come to the court every two years where they impoverish themselves. Mm -hmm. and keep busy so it's the same strategy as in versailles you know mm -hmm. where louis 14th pacifies the warlords who had revolted against him by creating versailles and keeping them busy with 
politeness and mm. the court's uh, civilization. Mm -hmm. And you know why this is interesting? Because it shows that you can change ruling classes. Mm. Right? It shows mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you have a military class and it's completely pacified. Hmm. Fascinating. So mm -hmm. this, the, in Japan, it happened through Zen Buddhism, which pacifies the samurai because they had no, nothing to fight anymore. Mm. And so they, they interiorized their spirituality mm -hmm. and became, you know, like an administrative class. And then mm -hmm. in France, the same thing happened with the feudals mm. became the administration of the state. Hmm. Um, and so why is this important? Because I don't have the answer yet, but one of the things I'm thinking about is, you know, how can we transform capitalism? Hmm. Total. With you know That's a class a... of people who are only thinking about profit and growing, right? And is there a way to to give them a new role? Yes. I, I, yeah. So that yeah. I think is something to think about. I agree. And then the the idea of the magisterial commons is that we have a, a global commons gap. Mm -hmm. So we have transnational capital, we have international state, but we don't have institutions that can protect protect planetary resources mm -hmm. at scale. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example of this because I think this is probably the way it might go. So okay. there is now a series of initiatives mm -hmm. that work around the notion of global thresholds and allocations. Okay. Okay. So imagine you have, you know, the Mendel Mendeleev system of resources, and okay. it actually exists online mm. through the American Chemical Association. So you have copper, you have this, you have that. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you have an, a global institution which keeps track of the availability of matter and energy. Mm. How much is there of this? Mm -hmm. And then, then especially the negative pivots. Mm. So if we use more than this of copper, then we are entering a negative spiral. We cannot go in that negative spiral. So that we cannot go under that. Mm. And that means every year, you know, given the growth of productivity, given the new finds, that's how much copper there is in the whole world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we have to negotiate who gets what. Mm. And of course, that's the most difficult part. Sure. But if we can come to an agreement, then we have an international institution that can protect, mm. you know, that, that distribution mm -hmm. agreement, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, here's what I think will happen is first, the nations will compete Mm. And you know maybe we'll have huge issues around America and China mm. competing for these dwindling resources. Right. But if we don't want World War Three, <laughs> then and maybe they'll try it first, right? Because yeah. that's human nature. Yeah. Uh, but at some point, I think after a series of pedagogical catastrophes then there will be this condition where people say, well, we better create those institutions or we all go up, we right. all go down, right? right? Hmm. And then that becomes really attractive that, okay, mm -hmm. we should do this because otherwise mm -hmm. the alternative will be universal war. Mm. So mm. this is what I think will happen is okay. that, you know, our, our system hmm. yep. gets into <laughs> systemic crisis, things yep. go bad, people die, right? conflicts emerge, and then... Like, how do we get out of this? And then, mm. oh, the commons is actually the only human institution that has proven over history that it can maintain resources over the long term. Mm. 
and create social peace. And Peter Vergani says that we've moved you know, to a different global system. So he says global system zero was the mercantile system. Okay. Before Napoleon, hmm. right? Hmm. And then you have the Napoleonic Wars, which are so costly for Europe hmm. that they decide to have a hundred year peace, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that ushers in the Smithian capitalist system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's very costly for the working class, mm. right? Mm. The free trade right, is right, uh, right. Mm-hmm. like workers die when they're like 33 in the 1850s mm. in, in the UK. Mm. You know, it's, it's a complete disaster. Mm. Mm. But then eventually it gets better, but then you have World War I mm. and that's the collapse of the uh, that global system. Mm. And then we get into Fordism, mm. which is an agreement with capital and labor, mm-hmm. which you know becomes dominant after World War II, mm. becomes the system, mm-hmm. but it's just the cost of nature and the global south. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? And he calls it weak multilateralism. Mm. So Smithian capitalism had no multilateralism. Mm. And the global system after World War II has weak multilateralism, you know, United mm. Nations. And it says now we need to move towards strong multilateralism mm. and a social contract for labor in the whole world mm. rather than just in the West mm-hmm. and between humans and nature. Right. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where the magisteria fit in. Mm. The magisteria is the means of doing that. Right. Of making global agreements. And let Mm. me say a word about the blockchain, because that's also important. Mm. So, you know, I know there's a lot of critique about the blockchain and the Bitcoin and and most of it is entirely on on track. Mm. But what it also does is it has created the idea and and the technical capability to have global public accounting. Mm. So we, we move from an internet of communication mm-hmm. where we can talk to each other, organize to an internet of transactions, hmm. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I published a report where I, because this is most of what I do is, you know, trend analysis, looking at weak signals and okay. mm-hmm. seeing where these seed forms can, mm. can go, right? Mm. So we, we I, mm. I'm, Imagine a system which already exists in its components where you mm-hmm. have a layer of contributive accounting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because what is the problem with capitalism is externalities. Mm-hmm. It's not counting right. a lot of positive contributions. Like, no, women's work is not counting. Yeah. Uh, all the people work for free on free software. Mm-hmm. All the people who maintain you know, society through their volunteering. That's mm-hmm. all not counted. doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And then negative contributions, negative impact is also not counted. Hmm. That's not my problem because I have an accounting system mm-hmm. which only tells me what's coming in and out of my little system yep. and whether I keep a surplus. And then I'm happy, right? Gotcha. But there's no ecosystemic mm-hmm. view right. within double entry book accounting. Mm-hmm. So contributive accounting is an agreement within a productive community, a cosmolocal productive community, mm-hmm. a peer production mm-hmm. community that says, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know that value is created through contribution, not just commodity work, mm. 
right? So take Linux, you have 75% of people are paid mm -hmm. and 25% are not paid. Mm. But we know that our success depends also on those 25% non-paid. Right, right, sure. So we're going to create a membrane around our system, mm -hmm. create intelligent money tokens, mm. Mm. and we will we'll, we'll make it, design a system so that a part of what's coming in from the commodity mm -hmm. system is redistributed mm. to the contribution. So we shift from a commodity regime to a contributory regime. Mm. So I think this is the big thing that will happen. Okay. So it's mm. the, the, the positive and negative contributions become the key for the account, the new account. Mm. Mm. So that already exists. And I, I give a lot of examples in my report. Mm. The second is a shift towards flow accounting. So there's something called resources events agents. Okay. And this is a 3D accounting system that for every transaction tells you your place in the network. Mm. There's no more double entry. Mm. It's an ecosystemic flow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know exactly where you are in the ecosystem. Mm. So suddenly your vision of managing, mm. you know, becomes a global ecosystemic mm -hmm. vision. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is direct thermodynamic accounting, which is mm -hmm. integrating. So you have a, a magisterium of the commons that okay. mm -hmm. manages the flow of matter and energy. Mm -hmm. There's a social agreement that every country, every region mm -hmm. can use so much. Mm. And then you actually see it in your accounting system. Mm. This, all these things exist, mm. Mm. but we need a vision. That's what I'm trying to provide. We need a right. vision where these pieces of the puzzle can become part of a new vision of, mm -hmm. you know, sustainable uh, world system. And that's mm. now, what I'm now trying is to it, do. In terms of the cultivation of the peer-to-peer foundation is that the architecture for that or, or how tell me a little bit more about that vision and how the p2p foundation you know is connected to that overlaps is synonymous etc yeah so okay we we had a very good run and and we're a bit of a crisis and i i need to explain that as well okay mm -hmm. um and that bringing bring us around the notion of the woke yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Ideology. Uh, I'm um, hanging out in Bard's listserv because I know a little bit about that in my own history. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the, so the thing is, I I consider the woke ideology a civilizational autoimmune uh, mm -hmm. uh, syndrome. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and okay, so. I, so so I think woke represents a gnostic movement, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a topian gnostic movement, mm. which has the same dangers as the ones we had before, like Stalinism and Nazism, mm -hmm. right? So there's a shift in vision. So in the industrial system, we had two competing visions. We had the liberal vision and the socialist vision. Mm -hmm. The liberal vision is let's have equal laws for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then everybody makes an effort and, and uh, you know, those with merit can mm -hmm. move up. Mm -hmm. The problem with this vision is, of course, that not everybody had the means to do this. Right. Totally. Mm -hmm. So the answer to this was a socialist vision, which is let's create an infrastructure of access to these means mm. so that the legal equality becomes real equality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that has been the historical role of social democracy 
is to create all these public infrastructure, which gave the working class an effective way to get education, to get public mm -hmm. health, to get all the things they couldn't have mm. in the you know free market system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in a way, we had a kind of liberal socialist system, mm -hmm. right, which mm -hmm. had elements of both, you know, mixed economy thing. Yep. That that in the West worked, you know, to to a, a serious degree, and 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 anyway. Um, but woke is no longer that. Woke mm. is saying, no, 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 no. We need equal outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. So having, mm -hmm. they have a vision of a system without differentiation, mm -hmm. where everybody is equal, and where every power differential is evil. Mm. And so this is a typical pure vision, mm. yeah, absolute pure vision of what the world should be. Mm. But then the next step they make, and it's, it's, and that's a paradox and a contradiction, is saying, well, to get there, the people on top have to go to the bottom, and the people on the bottom have to go on top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And this is basically what Stalin did and what Mao did mm. in terms of class. But what they're doing is and they then biologize and essentialize it mm -hmm. by saying, you know, white exploited. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. non-white people, males exploit females, so they make an absolute counter-hierarchy. And in order to achieve that, they have to basically undermine every system that makes the world efficient. Mm. Right? So if, mm. if these people cannot get in the system, then, well, that's because the exams are mm -hmm. have racist outcomes so let's have no exams or let's have mm. weaken the exams right mm. and and because of their puritan mm. vision they you know the notion of fragility that they've introduced is that's where the poison is because the the, mm. the ideological basic ideological idea and you know by the way that was the same that the puritans had during the mm. reformation mm. and and radical marxists would have is that if you don't agree with us it's because you're evil mm. right mm -hmm. so so your disagreement is not a disagreement mm -hmm. it's it's because you're evil mm. and we cannot allow you to speak because you're harming us mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so this introduces a totalitarian mm. practice right mm -hmm. and so i got in the middle of that i mm. i'm an old style lefty you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. egalitarian yeah but within that frame that i explained to you which is right. we have to create society where you know we create the means mm. so that the poor and the workers mm -hmm. can can achieve um yeah. this real equality within mm -hmm. a system that still recognizes individual initiative and, and yeah. lets people yeah. do their thing and and there's a lot i want to change you know i want to actually change the three institutions, the three key institutions, mm. but I don't want to abolish anything. I don't want to say no mm. market or no state. Mm -hmm. What I'm mm -hmm. saying is we need a simultaneous transformation, transformation. Mm -hmm. towards a co common centric logic, mm. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I got into trouble in August 2018. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where I posted two critical videos of Jordan Peterson. Oh, really? It was of Jordan Peterson. That's how I got in trouble too, yes. by the way. <laughs> All right. And, you know, my, 
the way I had framed it was very, you know, I thought normal. Yeah. Which I said, well, you know, this is a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. But why is it? And, I, and I'm talking to a mostly liberal and progressive audience yep. that follows yep. me. And I'm saying, why is it that people in trouble have to go to him? Mm. And why is there no answer on the left to this kind of suffering, you know, mm. that people have, right? Mm-hmm. And so my my analysis was: I think the left is too politicized. Mm. It only sees politics. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so why are we not talking about the meaning of life and, and, mm. and, and all of these, these things? Mm. And instead of having a debate, there was an explosion of hate. Yeah. He's a fascist. He's a Nazi. Yeah. Stop. Stop talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, you're male. Yeah. And, you know, you can't talk about this. And yep. you're white. You can't talk about this. And I mm. revolted. Mm. and to be honest I had systematically underestimated the power of woke I thought Mm. it was a marginal thing in the university (laughs) Mm. and then suddenly Mm. I discovered that you know a sizable amount of my own audience has shifted Mm -hmm. you know uh, there was like a German Marxist that Mm. I was talking to at the time and Mm. He, you know, he said me like, oh, but, you know, white people don't really need voting rights. I said, mm. what? Mm. You know, so I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And mm. so I reacted fairly radically and, and defended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm. then these people basically banded together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I received ultimatums like stop doing this or. Yeah. And then I didn't stop. Mm. and then they started campaigning so i became cancelled i lost mm-hmm. two thirds of my invitations mm. um mm. and then i decided to study it so you know i've read like seven eight books about woke. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I follow youtube channels mm-hmm. and i i think it's really a central element of mm. that we're facing mm. and it deeply affects the commons movement as well mm. um mm. and so the p2p foundation itself got really in difficulty around this because i what i'm feeling is that most of my progressive friends are gradually falling into Mm -hmm. that position Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and i i completely reject that i i'm that's Mm. where probably you know radical myself i say no Mm. this is racist Mm. you you cannot hire guys people Mm. around these you know biological characteristics you cannot discriminate against people, you know, like they do in Vermont and say, you know, mm-hmm. oh, the vaccines are only for people of color or mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Oakland, uh, only, you know, white homeless people cannot get any support from the city. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Biden who said, you know, COVID support is not for white businesses. Mm. This, is, this is something that I just totally reject. This is mm. not the kind of society I want to move into. Mm-hmm. Now, in a way, the, the commons itself is immune to that to a certain mm. degree because in a, in a contributory system, mm-hmm. I cannot give you anything just because you are from a certain group, mm. right? Mm. So anything, I, anyway, I talk about woke, capta, woke capitalism. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think there is a new mm. class alliance mm. 
and so let me explain is that interesting to you those, those sure yeah models? no absolutely yeah? uh, so and then i mean one thing that i would like to um you know kind of after this is sort of laid out um share a little bit about this utalk system that i built and then think about that in relationship to the commons and what right. might be an interface there but yes please the okay. whole capitalism okay it's very interesting so so 19th century you know we have this big labor issue poverty mm -hmm. class and uh, you know and the social mo socialist movement mm -hmm. kind of brings that in society and it ends with a compromise which is the social democratic system and the new deal mm -hmm. which is a deal between you know capital and the leaders of the labor movement right okay and that system gets hit by 1968 1973 and 1989 mm. so uh, uh, so there is a shift of an alliance between capital and labor to an alliance between capital and the leaders of the new cultural movement mm. which are identity movement but, but i mm -hmm. i think they're positive identity movement but mm -hmm. ba basically 1968 is a labor revolt and a student revolt Okay. And the Western ruling class says, okay, we can't answer the workers' demands. That's mm. we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to globalize and deindustrialize the West. Mm. But we're going to compromise on the cultural issues with our sons and daughters mm -hmm. who are the students. Mm. Okay. Right. And that creates the shift towards a consumer society in 1968 mm. uh, and towards women's rights and gay rights and for me, this works until 2008. Mm. Mm. So Obama, mm -hmm. I think, is typical. In you know, there is a big financial crisis, but instead mm -hmm. of helping the vast majority of the people, he saves the financial system instead. Mm. And suddenly, you know, the the professional classes, the minorities, they see their prospects mm. like uh, they lose their homes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where you have this move towards radicalization, mm. towards okay. a shift in identity politics from, from inclusive identity politics, which I was on board with. Like, sure. you know, why, why are there only whites here, you know, and, and there's 20% blacks and we should do something about it. And, you know, we had diversity politics yep. and, and it, it, it morphed into this racist scapegoating, mm -hmm. exclusive mm -hmm. identity mm -hmm. politics where mm -hmm. in if we want to win, you have to lose. Right. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so paradoxically, it becomes a war machine against the white working class, mm. but also poor blacks. You know, like defunding the police is like entirely totally. a catastrophe. There's, you know, 6,000 extra deaths in the yep. in the poor neighborhoods. And so I think the alliance now is the 1% with the 20%. Hmm. So you have mm -hmm. Occupy, which is a reaction to 2008. Right. And it's the 99% against the 1%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you see at the end of Occupy, you see the first identity groups that are challenging Occupy mm. and, you know, and accusing mm -hmm. it of being racist and white mm. and, and stuff. And mm -hmm. so Occupy starts imploding. Mm -hmm. And then, and this is unbelievable. And it's, you know, this is, needs to be a research, but suddenly all the mass media mm -hmm. start talking about identity Yep. issues mm -hmm. it's a hockey stick every yeah, no, term I've that seen, we know today explored that mm -hmm. starts in 2012 mm -hmm. starts just going exponential mm -hmm. and so I, I don't think that's accidental i i think mm. 
you know, in terms of class domination, it's let's ally with the leaders of minorities. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have the cognitive class, the cognitive urban class, mm -hmm. aligning for new dispensation around group allocation, but at the cost of the 70% at the bottom. And what mm. they are doing is they're moving to the right. Mm -hmm. So we have a left, which is becoming the party of the urban cognitariat yeah. and a right wing, which is an alliance between local business and local workers, mm. right? The somewheres versus the nowheres, mm. right? Mm. And so this, this is the mess we're in right now. This is mm. the, you know, like, and this is very much like the end of the Roman Empire where the mm. Christians undermined all the connective tissue of the pagan world. Mm. And so 10 years after the Christian reforms, which you know, was unfunding mm -hmm. the, the public cults, oh. 10 years later, the Germans invaded Rome. Hmm. Interesting. And I think this is what is happening. It's, it's mm. autoimmune disorder. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And it complicates everything. And yeah. I don't have a, a complete answer to how we deal with this. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I'm trying to do is through the commons is create relationships between. So I, I want to give you an example, and then we can move to the other topic. Sure. So no, this is okay. important. We want mm -hmm. we want 100 organic food for public school students mm -hmm. in Ghent. This is a real example. Okay. Copenhagen already did it. So you make an agreement between the local farmers, mm -hmm. in the bioregional organic farmers. You have a cargo bike system of transport, zero carbon. You rehire the cooks in the schools mm -hmm. and you have the geeks in charge of the IT mm -hmm. system. So suddenly you create an ecosystem that reconnects the urban working class, mm -hmm. the farmers and mm -hmm. the cognitive elite mm -hmm. in one common ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm advocating. I'm advocating okay. for local and regional policies mm -hmm. that recenter development around reindustrialization, mm -hmm. distributed reindustrialization, mm. and reconnecting the productive tissue by creating, you know, trans-class right. communities where mm -hmm. people work together in complementary fashion. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, we're going to have this civil war between. Mm -hmm. You know the Trumpians and the Clintonians. Yeah. You know which is. Let's do empire, at the cost of the nation versus mm. let's give up empire for the nation, mm -hmm. and those two forces. Mm. Uh, but none of them have really an answer, I think, to the to the crisis we're facing. Yeah. No, totally. Just a moment. Of course. Okay. I have I have 15 minutes left. Uh, yeah, no, that's about we've been going for yeah. okay. we'll be getting a wrap up here. Uh, so that's fine. Um, so anyway, here's let me just give you a little bit of just and then you maybe you can just riff off of. Yeah, and know, I'm going to have of, a drink while, while you oh, please. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I'm getting certainly the sense uh, that we're, you know, not, and I'm obviously not alone in this, but the all sorts of transformations are happening. Uh, the digital virtual world's an unbelievable shift uh, in obviously the informational structure. I pay a lot of attention to information systems and communication. The medium of the artificial intelligence and the internet 
really is like a global sensorium and that's going to transform all sorts of opportunities and create all sorts of flux and chaos. Um, all of the social systemic economic market forces stuff that you describe resonates with me and you obviously know uh, an enormous amount of, about it in relationship um, uh, to where I come from. So my expertise is really uh, in theoretical psychology um, and in uh, sort of also uh, psychotherapy at the level of sort of individual small group relationship. Uh, and then what I stumbled across inside the academic knowledge structures um, was a fundamental inadequacy and misalignment between our scientific, philosophical, and humanistic structures, okay? Right. Um, and so there's a thing called the problem of psychology, uh, which is the intellectual inability uh, of us. We tried to create a science of a thing called behavior and mental process. Um, and it turns out that there were complete inadequacies in the ability to do that. Uh, more popularly, this is known as the mind-body problem. Uh, mm -hmm. But I come at it through the institutional architecture of what psychology became as it struggled right. to build a system uh, and then realized it could would fail in relationship to it because there yeah. was just competing schools of thought that had slices of the problem, but nobody had a whole and therefore the competing systems would just battle against each other. And then the field drops into this sort of this dead amalgamation of compromise. Uh, and then a method of the sci behavioral science methodology emerges, which is right underneath science, social science methodology. It's a behavioral right. science methodology. And then it's a collection of schools of thought and topics that all, at least the science of psychology, then is married to the method, okay? Um, and I got sucked into that and I got first through sort of, I was an empirical scientist and then I wanted to become a therapist and then I saw the problem and then I asked, well, I need an scientific architecture as a therapist to then be informed about the work that I did. And then I realized as people in the program know, then I backed into it's like, oh my God, nobody knows what the fuck psychology is. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a shit show of confusion at the ontological level, okay? Um, and then my journey actually, although it's, you know, I'm re-narrating it for efficiency and everything else and the way I help people frame it. But ultimately then, uh, what emerges is a unified theory of psychology that addresses the psychotherapy and it becomes a unified theory of knowledge because I realized that actually the problem wasn't so much in psychology per se, but it was the entire metaphysical philosophical architecture of understanding that emerges out of the enlightenment, okay? And when we get a particular kind of empirical science that does a very good job at delineating matter and motion uh, with Newtonian mechanics, and then sticks chemistry on it, and then eventually natural selection sticks biology on it, you get a natural science system that's enormously powerful, especially as it connects to technology, okay, and, and then affords the science tech feedback loop. Uh, it gets in then a worldview battle with the old Christian dual world system, okay, and you get the classic sort of theistic versus atheistic system, at least simplistically, okay. But the consequence in terms of the meaning structures basically is then the cognitive class, after it punts on theism, then gets itself into basically this weird physicalism, okay? Yeah. Where it doesn't really understand the metaphysics of human mental behavior and can't figure out, well, are you going to be scientific about it or not? 
and what is this? And then we basically get a chaotic fragmented pluralism around our frame of our understanding. Uh, and so the unified theory then calls that the enlightenment gap, which is the failure to identify matter and mind in proper relation and understand scientific relative to social knowledge in proper relation, which is the modernity versus postmodern sort of epistemological problem. And then ultimately then what you talk is, is a meta-modern sensibility that solves the problem of psychology and then affords us a new philosophy that both enables us a clear scientific psychology, but one that's congruent with our subjective folk experience of being in the world mm -hmm. and affords a merger yeah. in that regard. And then at the level of cosmological structures, why I double checked on that, it's like, well, a distributed knowledge system that actually aligns the natural sciences, scientific psychology, subjective psychology, and then can ground a particular both philosophy and social ethic is something that I think is part of what would be uh, uh, an ingredient. So, so I, I have to admit, you know, I, I looked at your system, but not long enough to you know get all, all of sure, it. Sure, it's a it's a I, I thought I, I can only tell you that my first reaction is yes, that's it. Mm. Like in terms of how you mm -hmm. you describe the emergent uh, your new forms of knowledge and stuff. That so so let me kind of explain what the, the way I think about psychology. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so, and it, it's related to the woke and how the commons is actually an answer to this. So the, mm. I feel that modernity started with Descartes mm -hmm. saying, I think therefore I am. It's a good place right. to have it begin. I can go with that. Right. <laughs> so, and it's, you know, it's subjectivity comes, comes into play as a real, real thing and individuality. And I, and, and now we ended up with the woke movement saying, I suffer, therefore I am. Mm. So it's, a, it's a complete implosion of identity. Mm. The, the, and so the war that we have today is between people who are rooted, mm. the people who don't move. Mm. And these are the somewheres, mm -hmm. right? And they tend now to become conservative and mm -hmm. go to the right. And, and they still feel connected to their nation, their religion, mm -hmm their community yep. and the cognitive class, which is completely unrooted. Mm. Uh, they are regressing to this thing, you know, I am skin and my gender and, and, and there's nothing there. Mm. I mean, it's, it's very frightening. I may, you know, I may be exaggerating, but that's really what I think. And, and I've seen interviews of people saying exactly, they completely identify themselves as, you know, being exploited and, and being dominated. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the worldview. Mm. Okay. So what, what does the commons bring to that? Is a contributory psychology. Mm. You know, I am what I make with others. Nice. Yes. So you have your own passion and that's where it starts from. I have to find mm -hmm. an activity in life, a meaningful mm. engagement that corresponds to my passion and knowledge and skills. Beautiful. And then we have a social system, a virtualized productive system that allows me to see what the world needs mm. and find a community where I can contribute to. And so I built my identity by combining my contributions. Mm. I am a vegan Buddhist free software developer, mm. right? So that's the start. Yep. You, you, and I win, I'm in a group and we yep. help each other and we do something for the common good. So it aligns 
Nice. The, you know, yes. a, a whole number of positive Beautiful. Uh, things. And we no longer have division of labor, but distribution of tasks. Mm. And so equipotentiality is the mm -hmm. idea that every group judges people based on their contributions mm. within a particular context. So I'm not saying I'm better than you mm -hmm. or I'm worse than you. I'm mm -hmm. just saying, wow, Greg is a very good psychologist mm. and is you know, very useful in our endeavor to create a, a, a psychology knowledge commons, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Right. I'm not saying that's a full answer because mm -hmm. I think there's something deeper that isn't solved by, by those contributory. Mm. Um, and to be honest, in that part, I'm conservative. I mm. think that you build subjectivity through your lineage. Mm. And therefore, I feel we have to engage with our past, yeah. with our civilization, mm. with the debates we're having. We need to extend it to the other civilizations. Mm -hmm. So I, I think in certain way, we are moving toward post-civilizational mm. Uh, world mm -hmm. because you know I, I don't know if you read Spengler which is you know really great yeah, to read I mean, about how I, every I, civilization is different mm -hmm. right yep and we mm -hmm. have different world souls mm. I don't think that works nowadays because mm. you know I live in Asia mm. and Thailand is very different mm -hmm. but also Western mm. right mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. there's a sense in which even Asian Buddhists have completely accepted growth, consumption, mm. uh, a way of organizing production. Mm. And so I, I no longer believe we are really in these separated civilizations. Mm. I, I think we need to find ways, but it's probably going to be two layers. You know, a layer where I am Flemish, Mm. And that links me to, you know, the history of the Flanders and mm -hmm. of Belgium and of Europe. And that's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's part of my identity. The other part of my identity is that I'm working mm. around the commons. And, I, you know, that's my productive identity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm engaging with other people in the world. And mm. so I have my feet in the mud, mm -hmm. my heart in my community, and my brain is, cosmo mm. is cosmic. That's yes. the way I see it. All right. I don't know if that fits in your vision. No, that's, uh, that totally fits. I mean, certainly the yeah. um, uh, cultivating the basic institutional contingency and, and structures to afford individuals that investment and finding that contributional structure, also articulating the nature of, I'm somewhat conservative too, in relationship to the, the construction of the subject, uh, its embeddedness, the process by which we understand globalization, maintain localization, the identity of what's called the rooted cosmopolitan idea basically is the yeah. rooted so in your rootfulness, right? Rootfulness yep. rather than rootlessness. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, 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 and to then figure out the way to create a weave that afford a wisdom commons that we plug into um, is a beautiful vision. And definitely the kind of, as I look across the landscape of possible yeah. transformations and ideas that would kind of cultivate a shift from the current momentum and inertia of what might transform us in that direction. Uh, this definitely sounds uh, very much in the ballpark to me, which is why I want to talk to you. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I, I, I do have so, to go now. Yep. Uh, no, it's uh, been, been a great, uh, you know, time to uh, afford yeah, the opportunity I, to get your landscape view and uh, all your contributions and insights. 
uh, and I really appreciate it, and it, it means a lot. And uh, yeah, you know, and I look forward to the com future conversations. And I, I promise have. myself I I will study your your work as well. I I think it's important. I I have an intuition that you know this is exactly the the synthesis that we need in that field. Mm. Um, and you know, my job is to convince people like you and others that you also need to think about the commons and integrate that in in your work, right? And that's Amen. what I'm trying to do is to to introduce that particular viewpoint yes uh, you know we have a long way to go yeah uh, yeah but we can together we can cultivate a wisdom commons so there it is exactly <laughs> exactly yeah that was a great great uh, conversation i thank you for inviting me and you know, giving me the space and the time to to explain what i'm doing um and, i appreciate you coming um, along and yeah sharing that so i wish you the best of luck and we'll be in touch as we build this thing <laughs> All right, Craig, thank right. you. And thank yeah, you for thank your you. good cheer. And, you know, absolutely. Thanks for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. All thank right. you.